Coming up on AEA Amplified, Susan Wendell Beam, Manager of Accessory Services in Anchorage, Alaska. From the Aircraft Electronics Association, this is AEA Amplified, a podcast for aviation's technology experts, with your host, Jeff Hill. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to AEA Amplified, brought to you by Genesis Aerosystems, a leading provider of integrated avionics systems for military and civil operators around the world. From rugged integrated flight displays to flight control systems for rotor and fixed-wing aircraft, Genesis has solutions to increase safety and decrease pilot workload, whatever the mission may be. To learn more about how Genesis can help your customers, visit genesis-aerosystems.com. And Happy New Year once again, everybody. I'm Jeff Hill with the AEA and your host for this first episode of the new year. It's January 2021, and our guest is Susan Wendell Beam, who is the manager of Accessory Services, and that's an AEA member avionics repair station in Anchorage, Alaska. So Susan, thank you so much for joining us, and how is everything up in Alaska here in the heart of winter? Well, um, hello to everyone and Happy New Year. We're hoping for a, a more prosperous and uh, less complicated 2021, but in Alaska, we are happy to say that we're gaining daylight uh, every day now that we pass the winter solstice. Uh, so that's exciting for us up here. It gets light about 9.30 and doesn't get dark till five o'clock. <laughs> so, wow. um, and, and we've had a nice uh, winter with snow, but I would say mild for us with an average temperature of probably 21 degrees. Well, that's not too bad. I could tolerate 21 degrees. It's not Florida, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that uh, that's certainly doable. So I know they're uh, in Anchorage. Where exactly is your shop located? Is it the International Airport or where exactly is it? Um, yes, we are located on uh, Anchorage International Airport. Um, we are on the south side of the airport. So if, if a customer were coming uh, via the road, they would have to go to the south side of the airport, but we are in a beautiful hangar um, that's situated on a taxiway, so um, accessible by small and large planes. We have a, a very large ramp, so um, some of our customers are flying larger planes, um, Gulf Streams, um, Sobs, etc. So. Right. And I know your shop there, um, you recently, uh, within the last couple of years, even uh, you've added some new ratings and capabilities since you first joined the company. And I think you you joined it back, I believe, in June of 2019. So less than two years ago. But tell us a little bit about the shop and maybe the type of work you perform for your customers and maybe the types of products or aircraft that you all specialize in. Yeah. Historically, accessory services was just that. Uh, 145 repair station that concentrated on accessories, specifically starter generators, um, blower assemblies, uh, that sort of thing. And historically, they were located um, off off the airport. So when I came on board, the vision was to grow the repair station 
to add ratings, um, to become uh, both accessory and radio avionics shop, to be able to better serve customers. Um, with the closing of some 145 uh, shops, it kind of left a, a, a gap uh, here at Anchorage International. So uh, we were fortunate to get our radio class ratings uh, and then kind of help grow, um, obtain some dealerships with uh, avionics manufacturers. And so with the hangar, the access to the hangar being on the airport, now we're kind of 50-50 accessories and avionics installation, um, avionics repair. Sure, and um, I, I know we're a little bit past, just out of curiosity, I know we're you know past the ADSB deadline, which is over a year ago, but are you, are you all seeing customers still coming in to do some ADSB work or has that pretty much fallen off now? Um, we are seeing some. Not as much as before, but in Alaska, um, there's a lot of airspace that didn't require ADSB, and so depending on customers, a lot of customers were just kind of waiting to see, especially rural customers, um, and specifically in Western Alaska, where although it would be great for them to have the equipment, they kind of held off. So we're still seeing. Uh, a little bit of the request for ADSB. Yeah, and that's a great point there on, on within the state of Alaska there and, and exactly the geographic areas that it's required. So, you know, there's I'm sure we have a lot of listeners who have probably never been to Alaska, but I'm not sure that that folks even within aviation have a full appreciation of how important general aviation is to the state of Alaska. Can you can you just talk about what you know what aviation how how that's so important within your state of Alaska. Sure, um, our road system is very limited. Uh, we have a main highway that goes uh, north uh, to Fairbanks and you could continue on, <clears throat> excuse me, through, through Canada and then the road system goes south to the town of Homer. So road system is very limited. Uh, past Fairbanks there is uh, what uh, locals call the haul road. And so it's mostly trucking that would transport goods from uh, Anchorage Fairbanks uh, to the town of Dead Horse <laughs> that's considered, you know, on the north slope of Alaska where uh, the oil fields are. So that's it for roads for our state. Um, coastal towns will receive goods by barge but every other small town village even regional hubs uh, mostly get anything you can think of anything that you would buy at a store they're um, getting by airplane including uh, passenger service and I know passenger service has um, has really struggled with uh, COVID, but in Alaska, what a lot of air carriers have done are require people to have COVID tests, and so they'll still still transporting uh, people via aircraft because um, it's it's vital to to our state and to those communities. Without uh, aviation. Uh, they would be in a, a world of hurt, I would say. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's so important there with business and general aviation, uh, kind of the lifeline for uh, for connectivity up there. And uh, you personally have have worked in the aviation industry um, for for more than thirty years. So tell us a little bit how how did you how did your aviation career get started? Well, I think I was always interested in aviation growing up in Alaska, um, having uh, friends of my parents that had small planes, being fortunate to go to remote areas as um, a child in uh, general aviation aircraft. Uh, and it was just exciting to me. And so I decided to pursue aviation as a career and that led me to getting my airframe and power plant rating um, which was exciting I had the opportunity to work on uh, DC-6s to 747s <laughs> throughout that and then I was fortunate when I started working for Era Aviation uh, they had a very um, depth-filled uh, instrument and avionics shop, and they I was hired by them and fortunate to learn um, on the job, which um, at the time I thought, wow, this is, I'm learning all the, these things and I'm getting paid to do it. Yeah. So, so that's yeah. kind of how I got started. It was just, I think, that being in Alaska and being around um, aviation. We're close to uh, Lake Hood that is only a mile from Anchorage International Airport. And I will guess probably, and this is not an exaggeration, probably 500 general aviation aircraft on that lake. Wow. Yeah. So, and I, I don't know, did you, at one point, did you leave Alaska? Uh, to do any uh, educational studies, or have you always stayed there in Alaska? Well, I, I um, did go to Northern Arizona University, and I have a degree in biology, and that at the time was my passion, but I finished my education when the, the end of the Alaska pipeline era, mm -hmm. it, it had been complete and they were starting to produce oil, but there just weren't jobs in that field if you wanted to stay in Alaska. So it was like, I, I need to do something else. And um, I think just the, the thought process and the logic thinking that comes with science uh, carries, carries over to aviation on troubleshooting and resolving problems, so. Right, and I and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, did you spend some time with Northwest Airlines on the commercial side? I did. I worked in Minneapolis at the uh, maintenance hub, and it was fascinating work. Um, great people that I worked with. Um, beautiful facility, but the mountains aren't too big in Minnesota, so. <laughs> Alaska, Alaska kind of called me back. Yeah, Alaska hasn't beat. So, uh, and I know that it's, it's the majority of your career, I believe you mentioned era aviation uh, when you went back to Alaska, but but what was that experience like, like at era aviation uh, in, in your career? Um, again, good. I started in the instrument shop um, for era. 
So they held both 135 and 121 uh, air carrier certificates, and they owned the 145 repair station. So it was kind of a, a one-stop shop to support the air carrier side. But in addition, um, we did a lot of work for other operators and for general aviation, not only in, in Anchorage, but um, all over the state. So, um, and again, I learned on the job and it was it was very, ex a very exciting time. Uh, we had a lot of interesting projects. Um, ERA, the aviation division also had a helicopter division. So avionics supported both fixed wing and rotor wing aircraft. So the variety of jobs was just unbelievable. Um, and charter work at the time, there was charter work in Russia, in China, in Croatia, uh, supporting fire contracts all over the Western US. So there was always, seemed like there was always something changing or different uh, with that job. So it was a, a great time to be in aviation and just the variety of things was was incredible. Sure, yeah, the variety of things, and you've kind of worn all of the hats in the avionics shop industry. You've worked your way up from technician to supervisor to manager. So I'm I'm curious again, getting back to you know being in Alaska and the Alaska time zone. You know, does that um, from a timing standpoint, how does that impact your operations when you're dealing with customers who, you know, say they may be located on the east coast of the United States? Do you all have to make some adjustments adjustments in that regard, uh, being in the Alaska time zone? Well, we do, and typically what we do is we know if we want to do business with anyone on the eastern side of the U.S. that we need to be have that accomplished by noon. And our, we have a lot of vendors that we deal with on the East Coast, so um, I think the internet and just um, we do a lot of internet communication. So uh, requesting quotes or purchasing parts. Um, it's not a phone call really anymore. It, it's on the internet. And so that that makes a difference because I can request a quote late in the evening here in Alaska. And when I come in in the morning, it will be there because they're, they're already at work. So now for us, if we're AOG for something, that's a bit of an issue. And Typically, a lot of places here in Alaska would will do like a counter-to-counter -counter, uh, request if if they are AOG and absolutely need a part. So, right, sure, that's got to be uh, on making those those adjustments and just being aware of it. And you probably are used to it, so it's just business as usual for you all. Um, but once again, we are visiting uh, with Susan Wendelbeam of Accessory Services here on AEA Amplified, presented by Genesis Aerosystems, a leading provider of integrated avionics systems for military and civil operators around the world. To learn more about how Genesis can help your customers, visit genesis-aerosystems.com. And Susan, those of us who work in the aviation industry, um, 
and have done it for many years, certainly understand the workforce challenges that we currently face and that are quite frankly projected into the future by, by several studies. Um, but how do you recruit or, and find technicians in Alaska? And has that been a challenge for you and the companies that you've worked for during your career? Yes, it always, it seems to be a challenge. And what we chose to do at Accessory Services, and I have to give a big shout out to our Chief Inspector, Devin Miles, um, who is an incredible uh, technician and trainer. And we were only too strong for a while. <laughs> Uh, when we first came on board, we had both worked for um, Era Aviation had been purchased by a company called Raven Alaska. We had both worked for Raven and when Raven uh, ceased to exist, we both came on board uh, at Accessory Services, but we made the commitment to hire apprentice workers. and. Uh, we struggled with uh, finding licensed technicians um, or technicians with experience. Um, geographically, it's hard um, to it, people either want to be in Alaska or not. It doesn't seem like there's any middle ground, and that's a that's a big commitment for someone to move to Alaska, especially if they have family that lives elsewhere in the US, it's, it's a long ways away. And, and we understood that and we struggled uh, to hire help. But um, through LinkedIn, we uh, put out a position for apprentice help. And we had a lot of applicants and we hired, we have three apprentice workers two with no aviation experience, one with a little, but they, they're actually very refreshing and a joy to work with because they want to learn um, and they're, they're very serious about it. So that's kind of how we're resolving it. It's a little more work on our end, but it seems to have, have fit that, that void. Well, it's wonderful that your, you know, your your company there, your shop is taking matters into its own hands with with the apprentice program, and that's certainly a great advice that I think all shops can follow is is to take advantage of those apprentice opportunities and and create them and mold them and train the next generation. But I'm also curious, you know, what advice would you give to, you know, whether it's an expiring technician or, or even a pilot or anybody who's just interested in aviation, particularly to young girls and, and women who might want to consider a career in avionics, what advice advice would you have for them? I would say if you're interested to go for it, there's, uh, I think it's very rewarding. There's, uh, I think huge reward in troubleshooting and fixing a problem on an aircraft. I think it's very rewarding to look at, uh, the panel of an aircraft that you're going to um, do a new installation on the both the before and after and uh, what you've done and I think if if you're willing um, you can learn I think anyone can learn um, it's just having that mindset that you want to and that you can do it and it I think it's 
for me, it's interesting because clearly now I do a lot of uh, paperwork and admin and work with the FAA, but I still go to the hangar and I still resolve issues on aircraft. And, and that's the fun part of the job for me. Um, but I think, yeah, I, and it's unfortunate that I don't think uh, girls or women uh, even think about uh, maintenance or avionics as a career, but hopefully um, organizations like Women in Aviation, you know, will slowly, slowly change that. Yeah, that, those are great points and some and some great advice. And certainly you can serve as a mentor to those aspiring young ladies who who want to begin a career in avionics. So thank you to you to the efforts that you're putting forth there. You know, you had mentioned uh, earlier you you did mention COVID uh, a little bit in in your remarks. So I'm I'm just curious. I know people have a little bit of COVID fatigue, and we're all tired of the pandemic and ready for it to go away. And you know, the vaccines are here, and hopefully they can start getting administered a little bit more quickly. But I am curious though, what operational adjustments, if any, you know, did did your shop have to make within the last year during the pandemic and and maybe how how has it impacted your business? Well we've we've been very fortunate and blessed that um, our main customers are air carriers that are cargo operators. So they're moving cargo. And so we have never really slowed down with that. Um, and, and they've probably been more busy than they've ever been. So we're very fortunate there. Uh, the, our parent company did implement, implement uh, a policy that at work, uh, you know, to try to maintain social distancing, uh, we are required to wear a mask at work which is always interesting when you're uh, struggling <laughs> in a panel or something and pretty soon you're very hot because you have this mask on. But uh, that said, uh, the company has done a good job. The employees have done a good job um, of following procedure and we're fortunate that, that no one in our immediate work group um, has had COVID. So that's that's very fortunate. Um, and then it, it was very exciting when the vaccine got to Alaska, uh, one of our customers needed an aircraft and the sole purpose was to take vaccine to rural Alaska, to the Western villages in rural Alaska that seemed to be hit hard uh, by COVID. So we were able to resolve an issue with them so that they could meet uh, their timeline um, and they took that plane and they literally kind of just hopscotched along uh, the coast of western Alaska from Bethel to Unalakleet to Nome to all the smaller villages um, in between to to distribute the vaccine so that was that was kind of exciting um, to be part of that so yeah, that's that's such a good point there too, and also illustrates what we talked about earlier and how important general aviation is. And in a state like Alaska, it's going to rely on general aviation to deliver the vaccines to those smaller communities and the rural communities. So, uh, yeah, great great points and just a wonderful, literally a life saving service that um, that aviation provides. And and it's really awesome that that repair stations play an important part in that so um susan i know thank you so much for your time i i hope we can 
catch up in person, uh, maybe at the AA convention later this year. Um, but but before we go, do tell us um, what what would be the best way for pilots and aircraft owners uh, to contact you, and also maybe uh, you know is there anything that that we missed or you'd like to add? Well, I just want to add how important the AEA has been in my career. Um, I'll never forget the first AEA I went to, and I don't know what year in Atlanta, and I didn't I didn't really know very many people. I knew some of the vendors, but I started to meet um, my peers at that convention. And through the years, I've met so many talented technicians, um, talented vendors and field service people through AEA. And I can't tell you how, how valuable that has been in so so many ways on where to get a part or who to talk to or knowledge of okay i know you've done an install with this equipment before what do you do when this happens types of scenarios and i just think the, the leadership at aea through the years has been um just solid and probably doesn't get the thank yous as much as they should, but I know people like me think about that all the time on on just how valuable it is. And yeah, it's very sad that the convention was canceled, but hope hope to be in Dallas in June. I I hope that goes um, because yeah, just um, very very important to me um, the association and and what it's done for me personally and for the various places that I've worked over the years. Can't can't say enough about it, but if anyone wants to get a hold of us, we have a website, it's accessoryservicesinc.com. Uh, my email is on that website. Uh, Devin's email is on that website. And so, yeah, reach out to us. I mean, we do some interesting things. One of the things that we do, which isn't really avionics, but we support a lot of CASA parts. So um, uh, that's an old aircraft, but there it's a pretty tight group of CASA operators worldwide. So, but yeah, and um, if anyone wants to, they can they can reach out uh, on my cell phone, uh, 907-240-1210. I'm happy to talk to anyone. Just remember, I'm in Alaska, so right. don't don't call at three in the morning. But um, <laughs> ha happy happy to talk to anyone, and and hopefully, all the other repair stations are are surviving and. Uh, we all have a stronger, better 2021. Oh, no, no doubt about that and your comments, which are much appreciated. I mean, it reminds me of, uh, you, know, you did mention the one convention being Atlanta, probably in the late 90s, but it reminds me of uh, the old saying that Monty Mitchell used to have, as you know, uh, who's the former executive director of the AEA uh, many years ago, used to say, if you've, you know, once you come to one AEA convention, you'll be coming for the rest of your career. So um, I think your words certainly echo that. And um, and Susan, would thank you so much for joining us uh, here on AEA Amplified. That's Susan Wendell Beam. And as she mentioned, you can learn more about 
Accessory Services online at accessoryservicesinc.com. That's accessoryservicesinc.com. And, uh, and I also might say that uh, you can read more about the company, uh, which was featured in the pages of Avionics News back in February of 2020. So certainly check out that AEA member profile written by Christine Knauer in the archives of avionicsnews.net. Uh, certainly check out that story. It's, it's, it's a good one. So before we go, let me also remind our listeners of some important items. And, and first, the dates, as Susan mentioned, of the uh, AEA convention. This year, it has been moved uh, from the original March timeframe, and the new dates are June 22nd through the 25th at the Hilton Anatole in Dallas, Texas. And uh, all convention attendee registrations, as well as any exhibitor contracts that were previously transacted for those original dates in March, they will be automatically moved to the new dates in June, so you don't need to take any further action on that. But if you would like to attend the show and you have not registered yet, you can take advantage of the early bird registration, and that has been extended as well. The deadline for that is now March the 31st, and through the early bird, you can save $180 per person off your registration. So you can learn more about the show and register at aea.net slash convention. Also, the annual Avionics News Technical Training Exam is now available for avionics technicians, and the exam may be taken online by AEA members or downloaded by non-members, and by completing the exam, which covers the regulatory and technical topics that are featured in last year's editions of Avionics News, all technicians can get a head start on your FAA-accepted training. So individuals who complete the exam and score 85% or higher do receive credit toward the repair station training program requirements, your IA renewal, FAA AMT awards, and the AEA Avionics Training Excellence Award. So if you are up for the test, you can take it online at avionicsnews.net. And finally, if you are interested in pursuing professional opportunities in the avionics industry, don't forget about the jobs listing page on the AEA website. It's your one-stop resource. The AEA Jobs Board provides informational links on how to get AET certified, an avionics technician job summary and wage review, along with scholarship opportunities within the industry. So search the AEA's job listings and see what's on your horizon. Free resume posting is also available. So visit the jobs board at aea.net slash jobs. And that's gonna wrap it up for today. And we hope you can join us again soon for another episode of AEA Amplified presented by Genesis Aerosystems, a leading provider of integrated avionics systems for military and civil operators around the world. From rugged integrated flight displays to flight control systems for rotor and fixed wing aircraft, Genesis has solutions to increase safety and decrease pilot workload, whatever the mission may be. To learn more about Genesis and how it can help your customers, visit genesis-aerosystems.com. Until next time on AEA Amplified, so long everybody and be safe.